Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello and welcome to the Intentional Soul, the home for the highly functioning spiritual types out in the world. It is here that we look at the world and ourselves through the lens of higher consciousness, connecting deeply to who and what we really are. Now, my name is Tom Ross, spiritual teacher, healer, spiritual nonconformist, and I am your host for these conversations. On the Intentional Soul, we hear not only from me, but from people who are living intentionally, openly, and authentically in their world. We'll hear their stories of personal transformation while sharing best practices and tactics to help you get the most out of this game called life. Now, nothing is off limits as we seek to expand ourselves and our awareness and live, ultimately, our most authentic lives. Let's dive in. All right, here with us today is Marina Alicia Peñate. Uh, she is a health coach certified through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and Marina uses sound therapy devices to relax the human body and mind. Also passionate about showcasing really the science of sound uh, with others through her website, which is www.soundtherapywellness.com. So, so, so very excited to have you here, uh, Maria. Thank you, Marina. Thank you so much for, for being here with us. And uh, would you mind like, so sound is a, uh, well, first of all, as a as a former musician, sound is near and dear to my heart in a very, very deep way. However, would you mind talking a little bit about how did you find sound? Like, how did you bring yourself to, to, to this place and this passion? First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about sound and share it with you all. Um, so I actually got started by selling uh, sound therapy devices on Etsy. And I just like originally gravitated towards it because I was doing e-commerce. I was living on Oahu at the time with my boyfriend or my partner. And um, unfortunately the pandemic happened and we weren't able to find work in tech right away. Um, so I kind of had to figure out a different path in the meantime and figure out different like sources of income. So I was studying e-commerce um, specifically on like Etsy, Amazon, just seeing where I could possibly make money to live my life. Mm -hmm. Um and I came across sound therapy devices, specifically crystal singing bowls tuned to certain frequencies. And I was just so fascinated by it. And I thought they were the most beautiful thing ever. I was like, wow, these things are so pretty. They're made from crystals. I started collecting crystals at a really young age. Um, you know, I think as soon as I was able to walk, I started collecting rocks um, um, from rivers and the parks that I would go to as a kid. So I've always had this uh 
fascination with crystal. And when I saw crystal singing bowls, I was like, wow, that is such a cool thing. I want to sell this too. Um, and there was a really cool marketplace for it. So I started kind of designing uh, sound therapy devices on Etsy at specific frequencies, at different musical notes, and also um, just different colors and variations of these crystal singing bowls. And I was getting a really good response from people across the country stating that it helped them with their depression, their anxiety, their PTSD. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I need to get into this. As someone that suffered through a lot of trauma, um, just in early childhood uh, to like young adulthood, you know, I was like, well, I want to see if I can help myself and I, I want to see if this could possibly help me. And I started just kind of practicing sound therapy on my own. And then, then I started doing it at like a local private gym for people. I was like, wow, like I want to start doing this for myself and other people. And what I found was that it was really transformative in my life. I'm so much more calm now. I'm so much like I'm able to deal with the stressors of life so much better. And I was also really passionate about alternative forms of healing the human body. So I like just weirdly progressed, like it all just kind of came together. And so I developed soundtherapywellness.com and I started doing a lot of digging within science and medical journals um, behind the science of sound. Um, and it's really exciting because if you look at sound, sound has actually been used um, in ancient civilizations for a really long time. Um, in ancient Egypt, they had uh, these temples dedicated to sound healing. Um, and so you kind of look at these ancient cultures and you think, well, why were they using these modalities? So, you know, you find these like ancient civilizations using sound for things and it's quite exciting. And so I was like so curious about how they used it and how modern science was catching up to these things. And there's a lot of really cool research coming out about certain frequencies having uh, different effects on water's molecular structure. Um, people that suffer from insomnia or have spinal cord injuries uh, relax a lot better at 432 hertz versus 440 hertz. 440 hertz is uh, basically the frequency that our music is tuned to, yeah. which FYI, Unfortunately, our music was tuned to 440 hertz, which doesn't seem to have as many scientific benefits as 432 hertz. And it was changed back in like 1939 by the Rockefeller Foundation, oddly enough. Huh. <laughs> um, so, you know, if any of this science is true and does hold, you know, some truth to it, uh, I think it would be best to use 432 hertz uh, for the tuning of our music versus 440 hertz frequency because it seems to have more um, benefits than 432 or 440 hertz, excuse me. That's super fascinating. So, so the the frequency of of just the the music you're you're tuning to, and for people who are maybe not familiar with some of the terms we're throwing around, what what is what is hertz? Like when you say when you say four forty hertz, I know that I know that as a concert A in uh, in in um, in music, but like what what is it? What is right. hertz? That is super fair. So it's how much something revolves a second. So okay. yeah, so cycles per second. That is hertz. 
And so you measure something at 528 hertz, which is um, how something is moving uh, per second. Like the wave is faster at 500 yeah. than it is at 440, right? So high, so higher tone, higher pitch. Right there. So, exactly. but from the from the 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 440 that we're that our music's tuned to. So I so uh, to bring everybody uh, into speed, it's like how we hear music is related to, you know, you've got a you know a b c d e f g, and then it uh, and then it cycles back um, uh, it cycles back to to a after that. And essentially, everything builds on uh, on uh, on it itself from that base that base level. So, concert A at four forty, everything you know, everything that it's built is built off of off of that harmonic structure. And so, what you're talking about is it's like it's like you reset the base that lower to like four thirty two, and then exactly. all the other all the other the notes that exist within that harmonic structure. Are, are adjusted as well. And then that produces different, uh, different results, different feels differently or allows for different kind of release. Like what, what, what does it do when, uh, when the music is, is tuned to a base of that say 432? Well, so I've actually talked to fellow musicians about this and I think the science actually behind music gets a little bit more complicated, but even hearing the tone, the tone difference between 440 Hertz and 432 Hertz, it's something that's so slight to our ears that you can't really tell consciously, but it has these effects, um, you know, in science that people are discovering. And one of the theories that I, you know, it's a theory that I really hold deeply is 432 Hertz is, uh, in mathematical relation to the earth's frequency, whereas 440 Hertz isn't because it's not Hmm. divisible by eight. And NASA has shown that the Schumann resonance is around eight hertz. So eight is divisible by 432 hertz. And I have this other theory in my head. This is just a theory that, you know, from all of the the research that I've done is that have we lost our connection to the earth's frequency because of our music? That's a phenomenal question i don't know that's 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 fascinating so but the, the the hypothesis is is because the music's tuned slightly up um it's not directly divisible back into so so you're saying like they how do i know or find out you know when we say that that the earth's frequency is like eight hertz like yeah. who's measuring that or where does that come from or how can, how, NASA. how can i know so NASA. Right, so, so- NASA. So NASA has come up with the Schumann resonance which they have measured to be around eight hertz Okay. I think it fluctuates, but it's around eight hertz, and that's the frequency of the Earth. Um, the human resonance is really quite fascinating. Um, What's a human resonance? Oh, the human resonance. Yeah, I think. Did you say the human resonance is uh, oh, is fascinating? The human resonance. Sorry, <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> um, so the human resonance. Oh, human. Human. Yeah, human. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the human hertz has been recorded by NASA to be around eight hertz. And I think the frequency fluctuates just slightly. And yeah, so I just think that's really interesting. I'm like, well, if 432 hertz is in correct mathematical relation to the Earth's frequency, what does that mean for us while we listen to frequency that's not mathematically in line to the Earth's frequency? Obviously, these are just thoughts and ideas that come to me in my head. <laughs> Well, it's, 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 cer- 
Yeah. It's certainly, I, I did a, a Tibetan singing bowl, um, you know, uh, uh, exercise with a, with a friend about eh, maybe about a month ago or so. And I was curious uh, and it was, it was incredible. And it does, it does uh, produce very specific release in, in people, you know, the, the modality uh, that we spoke about like prior to like that I use the, the karmic, the karmic work, the healing work, I can discern. I'm very, I'm very specifically aware of what comes up and, and sound and that connection and specifically that Tibetan singing bowl practice and how they, how they utilize uh, that sound uh, 100% produces, uh, produces like released energy and information, uh, which, you know, which leaves people fundamentally in a, in a different place. And so uh, it's amazing. So you talk about your life before, uh, you know, sound, you mentioned that you were, yeah, uh, you know, you, well, you said now that now you're, you're, you feel more calm, more centered, like, like, Paint the picture like a little of the before or after so people can kind of like understand. Let's pull that apart a little bit so people can can understand like a benefit of doing this kind of uh, work and ex- having this kind of exposure. Yeah. So I would say, you know, a lot of people in this life, you know, I think everybody experiences some form of trauma. Like this life is not easy whatsoever. Like being a human being is very difficult. We all experience the human condition. And I unfortunately experienced a lot of early childhood trauma that resurfaced as a young adult. So actually, unfortunately led to me suffering with uh, suicidal depression at the age of 19 um, and 20. Um, And it wasn't until I started working through my childhood trauma, going to intensive trauma therapy, that I started to be able to talk about those traumas. And it unfortunately resurfaced as um, me going down a rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, I overdosed on accident and had a near-death experience. And working with my therapist, you know, for a few years um, now, uh, we think that the overdose was actually caused by fentanyl. And I kind of had like a near-death experience, unfortunately, on a, uh, a laced weed edible um, in Santa Cruz. And I was thrown out of my body and I was shot into a beautiful, bright white light tunnel that it's really hard to put words to that experience because yeah. earthly words just don't do it justice. But it felt like I was going home to this love, this harmony, this peace, this wholeness that you can't really put into words. It's beyond our comprehension of what we even feel love with each other now, you know, or like just people, like your family members, your mom, your dad, like think about the person you love the most in the world. Like it's, it's way beyond that. Um, and How long ago? How long ago was your NDE? I had my near-death experience when I was 20. Okay. I'm 27 now. Got it. And, so and what, I thought it was, well, sorry. No, what, uh, how, how did that, how did that inform you or, or shift you? Cause anyone who's, who's had a near death experience, there's a, 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 a wild difference in, in your experience of life. That I, I'm a thousand percent. I've actually, you know, also kind of read up on people that have had near death experiences. A lot of them tend to be really healthy. Um, it changes their perception on everything. I mean, I would say like, I probably wouldn't be on this healing journey had I not 
had that near-death experience because that really shifted like my whole conscious mind on everything you know I had to come to the realization of like you know life and death and things like that like that cycle early early on um and just really being in the moment um and appreciating everything not taking things for granted um but yeah I think that just like really even grew me like very spiritually because before that I was super atheist, you know, like I was like, what's the point of, you know, unfortunately, I I hope this isn't triggering to some people, but I felt like I was in, you know, a really bad depression so bad that it led to hopelessness and feelings Mm -hmm. of hopelessness. So I really thought, why do I want to continue? Unfortunately, like being a human being, if it's just going to get worse, that's all I saw. But yeah, it was just um, a really, it really did shape me and it made me actually become spiritual. Um, whereas before, like I was atheist and, you know, I, I think it's interesting that I felt like I was propelled into the light tunnel <laughs> because uh. I'm like, I was an atheist. Like I didn't believe in anything. You know? <laughs> and I'll tell people that and they'll be like, it's not, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, you're gonna you're gonna disabuse uh, dis- disabuse some h- hardcore uh, some hardcore Christians that have uh, that have their very fire and brimstone interpretation of that notion um, that that there's a punishing God. Uh, certainly, in your experience. So. Yeah, definitely. Like, what's more is like you know I was very bi-curious at that time, and like you know I was just like I do not fit in with like some of the things, but. <laughs> Yeah, I know that's that, that that that's that's absolutely amazing. And uh, in, in what way would you would you say that it, it, the the work with sound and with the bowls? Yeah. Now that you mentioned you know your NDE, to me that feels it seems like that there's some kind of of connection between those two, between your experience um, through your NDE and and what you are accessing you know, as you kind of like go deeper into the, the bull stuff. And I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm hypothesizing. I don't know. What, what is that? Definitely. I mean, I would say that, um, you know, after that experience, I had to hit like an all time low to start my healing journey. Um, and that's how I got onto like the healing path. Like I want to heal myself. Like I'm on this like journey of just, I want to be the best person I can possibly be. Like, I want to serve others. I want to be selfless. I want to leave, like lead this earth, leave this earth a lot better than how I found it. Like now I feel like my purpose in life is to serve others and to serve things, you know, and to be of service and to help, um, to help the world really. And I think that's why I kind of got like the second chance. Um, but um, I would say sound has been amazing in my journey just because I feel like, I'm so much more positive now. Like I have way more positive thoughts and positive feelings than I've ever had. Like I'm, I'm always trying to strive to be positive, you know, because I, I believe that I, you know, create reality with my mind, um, you know, and I have to be careful what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. Um, and I really monitor my thoughts. Um, and whenever I'm feeling bad, you know, I have a, a, a negative feeling. It's because my thoughts are not in alignment with what's good. So I feel like a lot of my anxiety too has gone away um, because 
I'll notice that I'm playing a lot of negative thoughts in my mind where I'm like, Hey, I just need to switch these thoughts to like positive thoughts, you know? Um, and that's really helped me in terms of just everything. And I, I feel like sound has really made me a, a much more positive person. You know, I have way more positive thoughts now. What, what does sound feel like, like for you when you're, when you're using your bowls, when you're, uh, when you're engaged in the frequencies that you're, uh, that you're utilizing in, uh, either your practice personally or with somebody else, like walk me through kind of like how you experience it and what it does for you internally. For sure. I mean, I feel it in my body and I think a lot of people that do, uh, it, experience sound therapy um, can say that they have experienced it in their body as well. And sometimes, um, you know, I'll be doing an hour long session with a client and I feel like I'm helping that person get into relaxed state, but I'm also receiving at the same time, very relaxed, euphoric state. And sometimes after that, I'll be so happy and so positive. And I just feel like I'm glowing. I don't know how to describe it. Um, but I feel like almost like very naturally high. I, I'm not sure if that's no, the that, right that, that, term. That, well, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it, it, it works, right? Like that's a, that's, that's a, uh, something that some people can, you can identify with. And um, like, there's a, so you, so you experience it. It's almost like, almost like a, a piece of the euphoria the, as yeah. you kind of go, go through it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel very calm. I feel really relaxed. And I tell people if I could do this forever for the rest of my life, man, is that heaven on earth? Because I absolutely love doing it for other people. I love seeing other people happy at the end of the session um, and just more relaxed. And I can see them smile. That brings me so much joy. You know, it's like I'm helping them. And like, little do they know that it's like also coming back to me. And I really believe mm-hmm. like if you put that energy out there, that energy comes back to you. Not that that's necessarily what you want always, but you know, it does come back. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, from a, from a perspective of like the interconnected of all things, I mean, if you're facilitating someone else's healing, you're actually facilitating at the same time, your own healing, you know, exactly. and it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's very, very powerful. So have you been kind of like a, a lone wolf at, as far as, as far as pursuing this, you know, or is there a community of people that you tap into uh, as you, uh, as you um, go deeper into this practice? So, you know, it's interesting. I keep meeting more and more the deeper I go into this practice. I keep meeting more and more like-minded people like yourself, um, which is amazing. I kind of started out just doing it by myself. Like I really was a lone wolf and my community of people has been growing. And it's quite amazing because I feel like I work with such kind-hearted, like pure-hearted people that just want to help other people. And it's amazing. And uh, kind of like interesting side note, the person that I work with uh, has a gym and I'm able to hold my sound therapy there. But he's also had a near-death experience too. And he prioritizes health um, and helping others so much as well. You know, and I just think that's so interesting that we're very similar in that way. You know, it's like- It's awesome. Yeah. And, and did I did I read? Is he is he the one that does uh, does the the breath work and the Wim Hof work also? 
no, that's a different person, but okay. he's amazing too. Like all of them are just such great people. And like, I was talking to um, my friend that is a Wim Hof certified breathwork instructor, and we want to start giving these sessions for free at least once a month to allow other people to experience these benefits um, and to just, you know, let them, you know, any walk of life, like if you're low income, you know, if you're the very you have a very high income like we want we welcome all people we want this to be accessible to all people so it's cool because he's like I want to do this for free and I'm like I'm down if you're down <laughs> you know so I think I, I really I'm so lucky to find these people that are like-minded and do want to just help other people that's amazing so you are you've got a community you got you got support and people around you the deeper you go into it I think that's that's absolutely absolutely terrific so you've talked in the you you talked earlier when we uh, before we jumped on you're pursuing a doctorate uh, right now in uh, in uh, what what's the doctorate in again? Natural medicine. So in, so in natural medicine and and you seem yeah. to have a real passion. Uh, so as someone who's been in tech for for uh, for a long time, you seem to have a passion for the science uh, part of of all this as well. So what is it about uh, about wanting to bring the science into, uh, into sound therapy that, that really kind of lights you up and, and tell me a little bit about the doctor that you're pursuing. Yeah. So the doctor I'm pursuing, uh, is great because it's focused on natural uh, healing modalities. So I get to learn about pulsed electromagnetic um, therapy and just a lot of different energy healing therapies as well as plant um, uh, medicines. And I think those things are all great because science is starting to be like, yeah, these these things are really, really powerful. Like um, turmeric is super, super powerful and it's you know, more powerful than a lot of uh, the pharmaceutical drugs out there. Um, so I don't know, just to be a part of that movement, I feel like is really important. Um, but yeah, I would say the thing that lights up my soul is I read a lot of science and medical publications. And I don't know, it just really lights me up inside. Like I'm, I always want to know the truth. I don't care if I'm right or if I can be wrong, it's fine if I'm wrong. Like, please tell me if I'm wrong. That that will allow me to grow in my skill set. Like, I'm okay with being wrong, you know? But, yeah. like, I, I really do care for the truth. Like, I'm one of those, like, people that just wants to know the truth, you know? And I think the science right now that we're getting into is so revolutionary. But the thing that I'm scared that's going to stop that revolution from happening is profit and money. And so I think what you're seeing is like a suppression of a lot of really great science that could help a lot of people. And that you, you I think this has been just shown throughout like the past like few decades too, not just now, but like a lot of really great science that could help a lot of people and have less side effects um, versus uh, you know, like things that might not make as much money, but can help a lot of people. Yeah. So, so say, for example, uh, you know, psilocybin has been back, you know, in a, in a big way. Um, John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins has been doing a considerable amount of research on it. It's becoming more mainstream and you know, to provide a vehicle for people to access and release uh, the release trauma through kind of a guided therapeutic uh, process. And, and yeah, I mean, there, there, you know, understandably are stakes uh, that, you know, there are stakeholders in, in the, in the medical community 
uh, that have a considerable amount to lose. If somebody doesn't have to be on medication for five years, uh, they can go through a, they can go through a three month process and then release whatever needs to be released. Like there are some people who don't make money in that, in that situation. So, you know, for, for sure, there's, there's, there's that out there as well. So there are stakeholders and there are stakes uh, to to some of the alternative modalities kind of coming out and uh, and yeah uh, it was interesting when you were talking about uh, you know the desire to 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 get an ed- a doctorate or an education and and there was a, a a degree of I think legitimacy that you were that you were looking for it to convey at a certain point and I'm fascinated to kind of like watch that uh, as it as it goes on because. Um, if you're a practitioner of a uh, of a craft, not necessarily the same thing as being uh, as being a you know educated in it. I, I I say that only from the perspective of I was going after a uh, after a Harvard Divinity um, oh. you know a pro, a designation at a certain point, and then halfway then like halfway through a, uh, one of the classes, I was like I, I like learning about you know I love a good ancient monk as much as anybody else. However. <laughs> learning about that monk is different than me actually performing karma healing on, uh, on, on someone. So, um, I eventually I was like, all right, I'm just going to practice, you know, and just, and just, you know, let the chips fall. Um, in other words, I was doing it initially, I was doing it because I was looking for, for permission. Like it was actually going to be the thing that was that, that people were going to be able to believe in me or believe me. Yeah, you know, I was gonna have the designation. So I'm interested to see as you kind of go deeper into practitioner status, you know, if you just, you know, if it's still something that you're interested in uh, from a doctoral standpoint. Um, so at what point did you know that you were on this path that you couldn't stop that you, that you, because you're, you're in a middle of a pivot right now, you've got technology and life support your ability to live, uh, you know, in a, in, in the, in San Francisco uh, Bay area, which is amazing. And you know what you're drawn to. At what point did you know that you couldn't stop and this is ultimately what you were going to be, what you were going to be devoting yourself to? Well, I think it was from working in tech. Um, I don't light up as much working with computers the way that I do working with people and one-on-one. So I think that's kind of where it was like the aha moment of yeah, this doesn't make me light up inside. Sure. It makes, you know, money, but it doesn't, it's not what fuels me, you know? And I've heard this about my generation is like, you know, they don't necessarily want to pursue something that's going to make them a lot of money, but possibly something that's going to bring them a lot of fulfillment in their life. And I think I'm at a point in my life where, yes, I want to be able to take care of myself because I can't take care of myself. You know, I can't take care of other people if I can't take care of myself, but I also want to do something that I love. I want to follow my heart, you know, and I think I've like also kind of developed like this heart coherence practice of breath work, um, but also just following my heart and what lights me up inside. Um, And I love to like um, read a lot of the science because I feel like, well, if there's science in it, you know, I can showcase this to people and then maybe they'll be a little bit more open-minded to try these things too. So I think that's kind of, I think where like my doctorate degree, like it's coming into play or it would come into play is like, Hey, I could show people like, Hey, um, you know, there is science behind this and it's quite exciting. Like, would you be open to possibly trying it? Um, because a lot of people like think of sound, you know, and they're like, how does sound affect 
anything, but people forget sound has various frequencies. And Nikola Tesla states that we'll make more progress in one decade than all of the centuries before if we start to study non-physical phenomena. So I've actually reached out to uh, really big like scientific publications and I'm like, hey, why don't we have a journal for frequency, you know, I don't see at like, you know, like, why don't we have a journal for frequency? We know that 528 Hertz is a frequency. We know that 432 Hertz is a frequency. Why is the science suppressed? Yeah. What, and, is, is there a significance of the 528? I meant to ask you earlier. Yeah. Uh, I think 528 is cool because it's believed to uh, aid in the molecular structure of the water in our DNA. Um, Mm. This is just a theory uh, and the science is limited, but the science that has come out on 528 Hertz um, is quite exciting. So there is one study um, that was done uh, that basically showed that it reversed uh, changes um, in the cells, uh, like viability. So it was, um, it was unfortunately, uh, in the study, it was unfortunately, um, uh, doused in alcohol ethanol, which damaged the cell. But once it, um, was, uh, like, um, I guess the 528 Hertz sound wave, um, came over it. It was actually able to reduce the cell damages. Um, and it's believed that uh, it can uh, repair DNA, even though the science is limited on that. Um, I would like to investigate that a little bit more because if it's able to repair these cells, what else can it do? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, so kind of wrapping up, uh, if you were going to share something with someone who, you know, maybe is thinking about looking to take you know, a, a risk or take a leap, you know, the way that, the way that you're doing in, in your life uh, to kind of be more of who they really are to, to be a fuller expression uh, of what they are. Um, but they're, they may be afraid. Like, what would you share? Do what lights you up, you know, everything in balance. Um, listen to your heart, really listen to yourself, you know, um, because I think that's, what's going to lead you to the highest levels of happiness, you know? And I think heaven can be a place on earth too. And I think you can do that by accessing your heart um, and paying attention to it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us here. Uh, Marina, how can they, how can they reach you? How can, how can uh, our people connect with you? Uh, you could go on my website, soundtherapywellness.com and sign up for my newsletter. Um, so then I can have you registered on my website. I also have a LinkedIn, Marina Lisa Benyate. Um, You can add me on that. Just so happy to share, you know, my story with you all. Thank you so much, Thomas, for having me. This was really exciting <laughs> and <Absolutely>. quite nerve wracking. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to staying in contact and can't wait to, to watch, your, watch your evolution. Thank you. All right. This has been another episode of the Intentional Soul Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to leave a five-star review if you found this content of value. And as always... 
I'm your host, Tom Ross, Master Practitioner of the Advanced Rapid Enlightenment Process and Rapid Enlightenment Process developed by Matthew Ferry. You can reach me at Tom at TomRossTalks.com and the website to engage and be a part of any classes, trainings, or sessions I have going on is www.TomRossTalks.com. Until next time, peace.